Picture this, it's 2022. For two years, you've sat, hiding in a studio apartment from police clad in hazmat suits patrolling the streets. Drones air deliver meals from your window, the government silently eavesdrops on your conversations, and contracting COVID means imprisonment. This may sound like a nightmare, but this is the reality for millions of Chinese citizens. Welcome to Getting Into Good Trouble, a show where we talk about the struggles to teach you the trouble. This episode will dive into China's recent zero-COVID protest. Buckle in. This is going to be a wild one. Special thanks to Nikita Lyaskovsky for an incredible interview. Find him on TikTok at Nikita Lyasko. No matter who you ask, everyone agrees that 2020 was rough. People felt like prisoners of their own houses, hiding from something they couldn't see. As COVID-19 arrived on the front doorstep of humanity, countries were frantic to flatten the curve. The whole world shut down in response to the pandemic, with strict rules on mask wearing and social distancing being set to cut down on the transmission of COVID. Countries resorted to digital healthcare, mask mandates, and other necessary safety measures. However, none were as intense as COVID-19's birthplace, China. At first, China's tactics were praised by many due to the impossibly low death count. However, China's unwavering approach to COVID policies continued, developing frustration among the citizens. The procedures have become increasingly unsustainable as the virus evolved. Xi Jinping, the top dog of China, is known for his radical approach to domestic issues. When it comes to COVID, Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party, or the CCP, don't pull any punches. Immediately following COVID-19's discovery, Jinping implemented his infamous zero-COVID policies. Instead of limiting infections through a more mellow approach, Jinping wanted to eliminate the virus altogether. Yeah, the uh, CCCP is the ruling uh, Communist Party of China, um, and they came into power closer to like the 70s and 80s, uh, but really took a stronghold of China around the 90s, um, where we were kind of facing a big Cold War crisis between communism and democracy in China. Post-World War II had economic struggles, and so they implemented a uh, communist-esque uh, economic policy that they adopted from their alliance with the Soviet Union. Through this, you had uh, Xi Jinping, the current president of China, start to abuse a lot of the issues that we kind of see with uh, modern-day communism across larger uh, countries like China, who have a large populace of, of millions of people. And so with uh, China specifically, when it came to government control, Xi Jinping saw an opportunity to help bolster the economy as well as use that to his advantage to then take over party leaders. He has been a very uh, draconic leader when it comes to controlling China. Uh, he has taken strides in making sure that any social media backlash against him, whether it even be a joke, he has definitely used his power to leverage that and to make sure that any uh, freedom of speech that goes against him is not allowed within the country. Um, that includes protests, that includes any governing bodies, city provinces, and social media especially. And it's why a lot of social media companies, if they want to operate in China, they have to follow their strict rules. Otherwise, they get banned from China. Right now, the, China has a very strict zero COVID policy. So uh, for people that don't know, essentially, anytime there's an outbreak of cases, a, even a small amount, they go into a complete lockdown, shutting down businesses, roads, infrastructure, everything. Uh, you are forcibly quarantined usually about three weeks. With that, they do not give you time to prep ahead of time, no food, water, anything like that. Again, stores are also closed and they don't really have a way to guarantee you uh, kind of necessary items to keep living, uh, like toilet paper or anything else that you need, uh, plumbing, food, resources, things like that. Uh, and the issue is the government 
throughout those three weeks, we'll try to provide it for you. Uh, but the Chinese government just never really put a plan in place to handle such a large scale lockdown uh, to this size when they're locking down cities like Shanghai, Beijing, which have millions of people. And so you're leaving people just kind of starving or locked down in sometimes their homes, sometimes they're shut down in facilities like the Foxconn factories that we saw earlier in the week. And so it just puts, puts these people in a very tense situation. And it's kind of been a growing issue from the last I'd say five years with what's going on in China. So that's essentially the, the situation going on now and, and why it's at a very heightened point at the moment. The living conditions in China are heartbreaking. Doctors are constantly testing citizens and those unfortunate enough to contract COVID were forcefully sent to quarantine facilities. Even a few cases meant millions were sent into lockdown. Factories, residential areas, and businesses were completely shut down. With a lot of their living conditions, a lot of them are running out of running water. Uh, you have people that are forcibly locked in uh, with ha people in hazmats going, go kind of going through apartments, taping or boarding these people into their buildings, uh, into their homes, and not allowed to leave, regardless of how much uh, food and water they have left. Uh, you even have some apartment buildings losing power or even like causing electric fires. Like uh, the biggest case that kind of sparked these protests was you had an apartment complex caught fire and the residents were not allowed to leave. They were being forced to stay in their homes from the surrounding hazmat officers around the building. The fire department couldn't reach them because again, there's no road infrastructure. So uh, they were blocked off from reaching uh, that province or that district within the city and, and putting out the fire, resulting in the death of 10 people. Uh, and that that was kind of a huge spark uh, for the for this. I think it was Guangzhou was was the city that this occurred in. Uh, and then in a, another situation, you had people forcibly locked in a factory, no beds, no blankets, no warmth, no spare clothes whatsoever. They just had a COVID outbreak and the uh, CCCP officers came and said, yeah, you have to stay in this factory now. You are not allowed to leave for uh, about almost three weeks time. And they have no resources, uh, no uh, energy to charge phones and such to keep in communication with their families, no food, no water, no clean plumbing and or like bathroom situation by any means. You're running out of toilet papers. It's just getting filthy and disgusting there. And, and that's just in one factory, not even including like apartment complexes facing these same issues building up in an apartment where again, you can then see situations like an electric fire uh, starting around. So that it's been incredible tough for these people, especially in that three-week period, to try and find a way to live with these small resources that the government is giving them, and it's why they want to end this. The Foxconn factory, home and workplace to almost 200,000 blue-collar workers, was locked down due to a few cases among the population. Not wanting to risk separation from their families and being kept inside the facility, almost half of the workers fled, leaving their personal belongings behind. An eerie video of the streets of Foxconn shows the belongings of the missing workers strewn across the sidewalks after being thrown out by police. Police locked apartment buildings from the exterior, using baptism padlocks to keep citizens inside and separated from the outside world. Exercise centers and parks were fenced off and noodle shops were shuttered. Just a few days ago, an apartment complex in Arumshi caught fire. Because of the extreme lockdown policies, firefighters were slow to respond, resulting in the death of 10 innocent citizens. With this event, the disappointment among Chinese citizens 
reached a boiling point. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, people were kind of swarming onto the streets. What you first saw were people uh, breaking down these barriers because uh, within these restrictions, I mean, these barriers are put up across uh, major apartment buildings, major housing, major stores, any large scale infrastructure, you're going to see these barriers. And you saw swarms of people coming out, breaking down these barriers, uh, coming out with, like I said earlier, these white protest signs um, to protest against uh, the police officers. Um, when it came to a point where police officers were saying, if you do not let back, we will uh, attack, we will send tear gas uh, and, and hazmat suits to restrain you. Um, you saw them then responding kind of like, uh, again, coyly, where they're being very sarcastic and they're like, okay, we're, we're, we'll, we will stay where we are right now. Um, but then that's when they began singing the national anthem. That's when they began chanting, we love COVID tests. We love our police officers uh, as a way to, uh, again, get around that rule where it's like, okay, now if you're attacking us, you're initiating it. And so you're, you're kind of seeing a lot of these officers not initiate it, luckily. Um, and, and in some places it is still incredibly brutal. You do still have the police cracking down on these protests. But luckily, because of their peaceful transition and their peaceful start to this, it, it's it's highlighting more of the issue of like, okay, this this government, if they're attacking us, it's because it's it's on their rule. It's it's them being very draconic. It's them being very abusive with their power, and they're only furthering our message more from there. And very smart, uh, may I add, for the people of China, like incredibly smart for how they've been going around it. Protests erupted across 13 cities and 80 universities in China. By the time this podcast is published, that number is expected to grow. The first protest took place in Hunan, where Foxconn workers stood against the police, furious with the CCP censorship. Soon after, college campuses in Shanghai caught on, with students chanting, CCP step down and Xi Jinping step down. With the younger generation leading the charge, social media would be a pivotal outlet to spread the word of the zero COVID oppression. However, the CCP anticipated technology as a significant threat to its privacy and integrity and prematurely blocking numerous social media platforms. AirDrop, a way to share different files from one iPhone to another, is one of the few ways that Chinese citizens could communicate undetected. However, the CCP convinced Apple to disable AirDrop on Chinese phones, completely eradicating the spread of information. Cars armed with signal jammers crept through the streets, cutting access to apps like Weibo, WeChat, and other messengers. The government ordered universities to send students home for the police to check citizens' phones for censored apps like Instagram and Twitter, and to come through their camera rolls for any suspicious pictures. Yeah, yeah. Initially, um, they did try to crack down on it. I mean, they would put up uh, more barrier entries to block off people, which uh, didn't really work out. Those got turned down. Uh, and then they would grab, uh, essentially, the what who they believe were the key speakers or key I guess like spreaders of the message um, and take them in uh, beat them jail them um, and and uh, just lock them away and you saw this actually with a BBC journalist who was covering this uh, for BBC they immediately noticing that he was uh, with Western media um, took him in you you hear him screaming oh like Mary like contact the consulate like get me out of here uh, and they would <laughs> you saw another clip of them beating him and then. Uh, take pull him into a patrol car and then uh, supposedly I'm, I'm, I would assume jail him afterwards. Eventually he was released uh, and the Chinese government did put out a statement saying, oh, we did that for his safety, not anyone else's. And that's kind of the response that they've been saying for all these speakers in this uh, uh, Chinese flower man, which I'm not sure if you guys have seen the clip, but he just goes around passing uh, flowers to soldier, to officers, to protesters both. And he said, come on, we, we all know this is a little ridiculous. The government's getting out of hand. After he made that initial comment, 
he was immediately taken in by police officers and shoved into the back of a police car. And that just sparked way more outrage. He's been released since then. Uh, and they kind of came out with the same thing saying, oh, we just wanted him to be safe. He was in the middle of a conflict between police and protesters. We didn't want to see him get hurt. Uh, but that, that's more just them cracking down on the loudest speakers. That's who they're trying to target to shut down these protests. And they're just finding that that's not working. Someone else is taking up that voice, taking up that megaphone and, and creating that chant again. Uh, and so you've seen them draw back a little bit more, especially as the protests have garnered significantly more numbers. But especially in those smaller cities and provinces is where you saw them really crack down and really abuse their power. Uh, usually them in hazmat suits, um, tackling people in groups, spraying them down with uh, a chemical that we don't really know what it is, but we've seen them uh, utilize drones as well to come across uh, protesting groups and spray them down with another chemical, which people are assuming is tear gas. They're claiming it's a cleansing chemical to prevent COVID-19, um, but it, you're, you're kind of seeing these reactions on people's faces where they're definitely getting hurt by this. So they, they've definitely been utilizing uh, whatever tactics they can to break it down, but it, it just hasn't been successful, which is good. Like definitely uh, uh, good that now they've, I think they're starting to realize that we're seeing a drawback from police reaction, but definitely during that first week, you, you saw a lot of cases of, of Chinese citizens getting abused, getting beaten down and getting jailed because of this. These policies have fostered a disconnect between the Chinese government and its people and placed immense pressure on the economy. With some lockdowns lasting weeks, factories, jobs, and entire industries took heavy blows. The slowing economy meant thousands of factory workers were left homeless, impoverished, or starving. It's a spectacle to see these protests, especially under an organization like the CCP. Not wanting to compromise his position, Xi Jinping caved and allowed local governments to relieve the COVID lockdowns just a few days ago. At first, China's tactics were praised by many due to the impossibly low death count. However, China's unwavering approach to COVID policies continued developing frustration among the citizens. The procedures have become increasingly unsustainable as the virus evolved. Protests erupted across 13 cities and 80 universities in China. By the time this podcast is published, that number is expected to grow. The first protest took place in Hunan, where Foxconn workers stood against the police, furious with the CCP censorship. Soon after, college campuses in Shanghai caught on with students chanting, CCP stepped down and Xi Jinping stepped down. Uh, definitely because of the protests, I think he's starting to realize that these protests are, are getting a little bit out of hand more than he can control. Uh, and in that, it's also causing COVID cases to rise, which is what they were trying to avoid in the first place. Um, the entire reason why this COVID policy is still in place is because they don't have the infrastructure to really mandate uh, vaccines and get that out in a timely manner without their ERs getting overloaded. They do not have the hospital or ERs space to handle that many COVID deaths. Um, but I think he's starting to realize, well, now people are out and about. We're starting to see ERs overload, um, as well as uh, we're facing even more economic backlash because of this. Uh, we we kind of just need to pull back a little bit, which is why you're not seeing them entirely eliminate COVID zero, but you are seeing them limit restrictions. The lockdowns themselves have been taken down, I think, from one month to three weeks uh, to about, I think, two weeks. Uh, and he is trying to push uh, more mandated vaccinations where if you are, if you do receive a vaccine, uh, you are less likely to then have to face uh, as severe uh, lockdown restrictions. These protests are the first time the Chinese people have voiced their opinion in years. With this, some are speculating that the zero COVID protest could spark a resistance and finally bring an end to the tyranny of the CCP. Thanks so much for listening. Catch you next time.